0: This is your Tuesday Daily Delivery. I am Michael Rand. Hope you guys are having a good one out there today. Marcus Fuller, who covers college basketball for the Star Tribune, will join me here in just a little bit. Marcus had an interesting story over the weekend on the impact of the transfer portal on college basketball, not just on coaching and recruiting and how all these teams are constructed, but also impacting high school players especially those who maybe are kind of on the fringes of being recruited and you know maybe aren't uh aren't having the same experience that they once had because a lot of these schools are now looking at more experienced players in the transfer portal so an interesting conversation with marcus he had some really good you know real life examples of that in his story that was in sunday's star tribune you can still find that on StarTribune.com on the Gophers page, so please go take a look at that if you are interested after you listen to the podcast segment. Sad news, but some closure for the Barber family. We'll get to that in a little bit. Marion Barber III's death ruled heat stroke. Um, We'll get into that, like I said, here in a little bit, but just just a really sad story all around. First, What did I miss? I'm going to talk about the Twins here for a little bit at the jump. Kind of feels like a pretty important six-game stretch for them coming up against Milwaukee for two. Milwaukee's a good team. You know, they're they're about like the Twins this year record-wise, just like a half a game separating those two teams record-wise. And then four against the White Sox before the All-Star break. Now, the White Sox series, of course, carries implications of the division, um, you know things like that. The White Sox trying to get on track after you know so much struggles um, so far this year. You know they were the prohibitive favorites in the division coming into the year, but they are still you know sitting at forty-one and forty-four, five and a half games behind the Twins. The Cleveland Guardians forty-two and forty-two, they're four games back, and the Twins forty-eight and forty, you know four games up in the division. Nobody really running away with this, but nobody really challenging the Twins to a, a big extent. I mean, remember a few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, when Cleveland caught up to them you know, in the midst of all those blown saves, those bullpen meltdowns, and it kind of seemed like, well, maybe Cleveland's going to make its move. Twins are going to fall back. And then Cleveland just kind of fell apart again, and the Twins played a little bit better. And all of a sudden, their lead was back up to four games. Now, I I say this is important for a couple reasons. One, like I said, you know, Milwaukee's a good team. Chicago's a division team. Two, Twins are going to send Josh Winder and Joe Ryan to the mound against Milwaukee for a couple of matchups that should be favorable to them. Both Milwaukee starters have ERAs in the mid-fours. Ryan and Winder have ERAs in the low threes, have been a pretty good story for the Twins this season. You know, Ryan has been pretty consistent all year. He's had a couple clunkers here and there. Winder, six of his eight starts have been very good, including his last two since coming back. So, you know, both of those guys have a chance to not just give the Twins good starts, but really kind of show their place in this rotation. I mean, Joe Ryan certainly is more established already winder's been a little bit up and down but I would imagine he is in the rotation in the rotation to stay if he continues to pitch the way he has pitched with like I said an ERA in the low three so can those two young twins pitchers deliver in what seems to me like a pretty important series the second piece of why it's important is they've been playing a lot of games, 88 games in 93 days. It will be as they head into the All Star break after these, you know, after these six games. Um, they're, you know, I'm sure they're kind of coasting in on fumes at at this point. Um, they've played 88 games already this year. You know, Cleveland's only played 83. They've, they've they've just had a lot of you know a lot of action so far, and you know that's got to be taxing on. A bullpen that's been overworked as it is. It's got to be taxing on even everyday players as they kind of come back into, you know, what is a a normal, normal paced year, things like that. So, can they avoid the temptation of shutting it down early? Can they avoid, you know, a a mental lapse that would, you know, send them into the break on this homestand with, you know, a two and four? stretch or you know even worse than that I mean three and three I guess would be okay You'd be kind of holding serve in the division but can they finish this first half which has been you know by and large very good right we've complained plenty about some of how it's gotten done we've complained about those heartbreaking losses we've complained about the bullpen blowing leads but by and large um, this has been a successful year they're 48 and 40 Uh statistically they're pretty good in every category they are you know surprisingly good after last year's 73 and 89 finish so can they carry some momentum into the break and then convince management that they you know that this is a team that you know isn't just a nice little story is a team that is going to be in contention for the rest of the year and is worth adding to as the trade deadline rolls around in early august so i see these six games as kind of a kind of a an early barometer for what's going to happen in late July, early August around the uh, around the trade deadline, and I see it as a way for them to kind of continue on this path, and you know, if they can surge into the break, I think that'll make people feel a lot better about where they are. If they stumble a little bit, I think there are going to be some legitimate questions about this team, so watch for that as they play Milwaukee and Chicago in the next six games. Switch your checking account to Royal Credit Union and discover a better way to bank. Royal Credit Union is a financial co-op, not a corporation, so we return earnings to our members. That means you get low or no fees for account services and better rates on deposits and loans. You'll also have all the digital tools you need at your fingertips, so managing your account is easy. Royal is ready to help you discover the credit union difference. Switch your checking account to Royal Credit Union today at rcu.org slash your checking. Insured by NCUA. I'd happy to have Marcus Fuller on Daily delivery today. Marcus had a really interesting story in Sunday's paper on the transfer portal and just kind of the impact on how this, you know, how how the new rules of recruiting are impacting, you know, not just, you know, not not just teams but the athletes themselves. And I thought it was very interesting, so I wanted to have you on to talk about that a little bit more. Marcus, how you doing?
1: Good, good. Thanks for having me on. It's been a little bit, but uh, you know, the offseason, we still got a lot going on. Obviously, you mentioned the portal and and recruiting, and so it's just uh, it's good to be back on.
0: I agree. It's good to have you back on. Um, So you know, you wrote about the impact on you know you know student athletes trying to get recruited into college. You put a good face on kind of the issue. Maybe kind of summarize. it. It sounds to me like you know. Colleges are focusing more and more on the portal and less and less on you know maybe some the less proven players coming out of high school and that's kind of creating some some issues especially for players who you know may not be those obvious you know five star four star recruits.
1: Right. Yeah. First off, thanks for uh, mentioning the article. Um, it was actually something that I started working on in the spring. Uh, that's really when the AAU season starts for. Um, not only um, high school seniors uh, to be, um, but, you know, also athletes uh, who are unsigned or uncommitted seniors uh, that have actually finished their eligibility in high school. Uh, these athletes have a chance to still play in AAU, uh, depending on their age. Some of them actually reclassify uh, and do a fifth year of high school and then to continue playing. And, and I just noticed You know, a lot on social media, you see offers that people mention. Well, in the past year or so, they've been talking a lot about the lack of offers and the fact that they're, they're really struggling, um, getting attention from college coaches because a lot of these coaches will be saving scholarships for transfers. Uh, the portal is outrageous and it's, you know, they obviously, they call it the wild, wild West, um, it just continues to increase. I got recent NCA numbers for 2022, which I don't think have been published too much yet. And they're just um, unbelievable. I mean, over 5,000 for football, combining FCS and FBS, um, almost 2,000 for men's basketball, and then women's basketball is not far behind. And other sports are increasing as well, including volleyball. So, you know, what does this mean? I had a lot of questions after my story um, talking about, well, you know, the numbers, have they changed for how many scholarships that, um, that these coaches have? No, not really. I mean, obviously, you have uh, COVID-19 uh, super seniors, right? and you'll, you'll continue to see that this year. But for the most part, they're just choosing a transfer over a high school senior. And, um, you know, they might have more scholarships to offer because of, there are a lot of players transferring out of their program. Um, but again, you won't replace all of your scholarships if you lose transfers to high school seniors, but you would obviously uh, save some of them for a high school senior, which we're seeing less and less of that right now.
0: Yeah. And it's what the interesting thing is like, I wonder, you know, this the portal, the one time transfer where you can transfer without having to sit out a year, that rule is still fairly new, right? It was April of 21, and that happened. right Right in the middle of the pandemic as coaches are, you know, adapting to different recruiting, you know, recruiting things anyway. And I, you know, not that it was hastily approved, because obviously it had been in the works for a while, but do you, I mean, as you've talked to, you know, coaches, administrators, whoever it is, even at the high school level, do you think that they were, that, that this, that the way it's playing out, that how many kids are in the portal, how many, how much this is impacting recruiting both ways do you think they had a a semblance of an idea that this is how it was going to go especially this fast
1: yeah i mean nobody could have predicted you know what would happen um again you you talked about it from the coaches administrators from their perspective you know they were like oh hold on we you know we don't know if this is a good idea but they understood okay we it's good to give these players and these athletes um you know some freedom right? I mean, coaches can move whenever they want in college. And um, what about athletes? Let's give them more freedom, you know, more flexibility. So from the college athlete perspective, it was a home run. It was like, okay, wow, let, let's have this opportunity. You know, if I want to leave, I, I shouldn't be held back, I have to sit out. But from the high school athlete perspective, before they get to college, this is, they they could not have imagined that it would take away their opportunities you know i'm, I'm talking more division one but also division two II and three because they're they're looking to get maybe hey i can get a division two transfer if you're d3 or, or maybe i can get a d1 transfer if you're d2 so a lot of these kids some of them like i wrote about alonzo dodd from south st paul he was first team all metro two yeah. years in a row for us um you know he had an outstanding career at south st paul he had their best record ever And, you know, he nearly averaged a triple double. He played for grassroots sizzle who produced Chet Holmgren and Jalen Suggs, the starter on that team, very productive, but he had no division one offer after his high school career was over. And, you know, he's wondering, okay, why did this happen? You know, some people might say, oh, well, you're not good enough. Um, You know, that remains to be seen, you know, from, from uh, the college coaches perspective. But I think, for the most part, you know, everything lined up, right? Played for the really good AAU team, had a productive high school career. I mean, a lot of people were saying, hey, how come the Gophers, you know, haven't been after him? But I think a lot of it has been because of the portal. Uh, And he even said it so himself that coaches were really excited about him and and they were tracking him, uh, but they told him flat out, like, I, you know, I lost some transfers or I lost some players to transfer. And, you know, I just feel more comfortable bringing in a, a player more experienced than um, than you as a high school senior coming in and we will continue to monitor you and eventually he did get a division one scholarship offer but it was from a school that's transitioning from d2 to d1 right, right. so they, they could afford to, to make that I don't want to say gamble because like I said um, a lot of people think he's good enough to play division one it's just you know maybe the experience factor played in there um, and then again uh, another player on the women's side, Ronnie Porter was a Como Park, uh, all Metro player that we had. And, uh, she ends up not having a division one offer after her high school season was over. And then all of a sudden Wisconsin flies in, likes her a lot and offers her. And she commits to Wisconsin. She goes goes from not having division one offers to playing in the big 10 next year. Um, but again, that was a Wisconsin team, not obviously a team transitioning division one, but you have a new coach there. Who is really is is really going all out? All, I'm sorry, all in on youth and develop development. And you know that's the one of the sections of my story was youth over experience. Some coaches like Ben Johnson and this woman from uh, the Badgers, uh, they they rather have young players in there they can develop, and then you know hopefully down the road turn, turn the program around rather than bring in transfers that, that come in and out in a year. And then you have to start all over again.
0: Yeah. That's a good point. You know, it's kind of like the, you know, when people were, people would look for jobs, you'd say, you know, how can you get a job without experience? How can you get experience without a job? It's almost like that with, with high school players. Like if these, if these coaches are looking for experienced players, you know, good, good players, it's, it, you know, it's like, well, how do you know if, Someone who's, you know, done it at a smaller school, or done it at a different level. How do you know that player is necessarily better than the player coming in? But it is the the, the proven commodity nature of it. And you mentioned Ben Johnson. I wanted to pivot to that a little bit because um, we both we both saw Ben at the same event in Stillwater maybe a month or two ago. That coach's caravan, and I talked to him there. And a, a lot of the a lot of the talk there was about the portal and just how you know both he and Lindsey Whalen talked about how you know, recruiting now as a coach, you've got to, you know, as soon as the season ends, you're kind of re-recruiting your own players to make sure they don't leave in the portal. Um, you're recruiting the portal itself, and you're still recruiting these high school kids. Uh, it's it's kind of become this all-consuming thing when, you know, whereas before there might have been some of that, but not nearly as much of that. How, how do you think he is adapting and adjusting to that?
1: Yeah, he's a, he's a new coach, you know, it's a second year uh, really first off-season, full off-season recruiting. So he was um, obviously inheriting a team that had a lot of players who were unhappy and frustrated, and he lost 10 players to the portal. Um, he had to scramble and not have really much of a staff when he started adding players to his roster, um, and they were mostly transfers. You know, this time around, he loses only one player to the portal, Right. And he has an idea about what his system, how he wants to play, um, and he signed four recruits from high school. Now, I think in, a, in, a, in another uh, year where he loses maybe more players to the portal, he might wanna add more experience, right? But right now, you know, he said flat out, um, I'm gonna not use two scholarships as of now. I'm not gonna use two scholarships. And you might think, okay, why would you do that? And, you know, you you don't want to you want to add more depth on your team, not lose depth. But he's he's thinking, okay, if I bring in a transfer to, you know, let's say grad transfers that are seniors, that'll take away playing opportunities for my young players. Sure. My freshmen, who he thinks can really help the team. So, you know, some coaches will bring in two transfers anyway, just to have depth. Um, But he's going to the extreme and saying, I'm not even filling those last two scholarships because I don't want the potential of, you know, a guy um, taking away an opportunity from my younger player. Um, And maybe even, you know, maybe disrupting the team a little bit because the younger player is looking over his shoulder. Right. Yeah. And that that like I said, that's kind of an extreme tactic. But it's one where he's saying "I, I value high school seniors ones that fit in my system ones I can develop and then they have maybe a more potential down the road than a transfer coming in where 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 it's a huge gamble right I mean these guys are already made players either they're going to sink or swim right away and really there's no uh future other than this season yeah and it's worked out in the past I mean they had some transfers that the Gophers have had even before Ben Johnson have come in and impacted right away and changed the culture of the program in one year but you know, <laughs> there aren't that many of those guys out there. Um, and so I think in his case, he's saying, I, I think these freshmen can help us out right away. And I think that they need to develop. And I can't do that if I have too many transfers on my team.
0: Do you think at some point there will be a, like a correction? If you like, get, you know, whenever there's a new rule and it, you know, like we've the, the wild, wild West, like you mentioned, like we've talked about before, it kind of becomes this like, free for all when nobody, where nobody exactly knows, you know, what they're supposed to be doing, but they're like, wow, we can go get any player we want. Let's, let's go do it. Do you, do you imagine either the rule is going to have to get tweaked in some way or that, or that there will be a philosophical shift? Or do you just think this is kind of the, the way that college sports college basketball will kind of operate for, you know, for the time being going forward?
1: I think this is just the, the, the new age of college sports. And I think the portal is obviously nuts, but I think, I don't want to say people are ignoring it, but I think the, the issue again, maybe the wrong word, the issue. Um, I think the talk of right now, the buzz right now is NIL. Yeah. So you know, it's kind of shifted from the portal talk, which is not changing anytime soon. You know, kids are going to be able to leave and then play right away, depending on certain things, right. Academically, how they are and everything. And there's there still waivers out there. You know, there's a lot of kids, including, um, you know, a transfer for the Gophers in Dawson Garcia. You know, this is his second transfer or third transfer. Um, yeah. I'm sorry, second, second. He went to Marquette from Marquette right. to North Carolina and North Carolina to Minnesota. So he's going to need a waiver, which I think he'll get no, no information I'll update on that yet, maybe soon. But there's a lot of transfers that have uh, to get waivers um and you know that's kind of the, the 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 muddy water right now is how does that waiver process go and people are still talking about that but as far as a portal one-time transfers that's not the issue at hand it's more nil which affects not only transfers because there's transfers that are getting lured in from for nil but also high school recruiting and so i think that right now is the talk about coaches i think the nca uh this offseason made a, a change in the nil rules and that You know, boosters cannot be directly involved and they're continuing to probably tweak that to try to make it more of an even playing field. But again, what is really even uh, playing field when it comes to recruiting? Uh, Just like transfers. I mean, these kids are leaving sometimes high major schools to go to a better high major school. You know, the kids are leaving mid majors and they're averaging 20 points a game to go to a a high major and, uh, you know, sit on the bench uh, or come off the bench and be part of a winning program. Obviously, you know, the Gophers lost Marcus Carr to Texas, you know. So I think what we're seeing right now is uh, pretty much, you know, flying by the seat of your pants type of recruiting. Um, And then teams like the Gophers where Ben Johnson has a luxury because he is a new coach, right? A lot of these coaches that are, are tenured and maybe on the hot seat they feel pressured to win right away, win now, and they're, they're going to go more with experience than gamble on a high school recruit that they have to develop, and they might not have two or three years to, to develop them.
0: Good points. Let's shift gears for just a few minutes here at the end of our discussion. It does sound like the Gophers got a recruit. Ben Johnson has uh, added someone to the class. Where, where, is the, where is their recruiting stand for now?
1: Well, Ben Johnson added a 6'8 senior. Caden Betts, he's from Colorado. Uh, he plays for a Pluto basketball uh, program, AAU program in, in Colorado Springs, and he had a great uh, weekend in Atlanta in the Prep Hoops Live tournament there. Uh, he had 40 points in a game, and he's really an all-around uh, player. He can play on the wing. He played in the post uh, in high school just because his team didn't have much size he actually is transferring to a prep school Huntington prep in West Virginia uh, so that he can play on the wing and continue to grow and, and uh, expand his game. And hopefully, you know, he says, uh, I talked to him recently that he's, he's hoping to make an impact as a freshman for the Gophers, not this coming season, but the following season as a six, eight wing, um, shooting the ball, uh, attacking the basket and, and just all around talent. And this is the first player that Ben Johnson's, committed has committed in the 2023 class and it just so happens that he's from out of state so I think that's a kind of a neat thing where you're seeing a shift and you know initially he signed a bunch of Minnesota kids right four four of them and now his first recruit is out of state not to not to say that he's not uh, prioritizing Minnesota players but he also sees that you know we can find um, you know talent that's uh, match, you know, matching what he can get in Minnesota or maybe even better at certain positions.
0: And they're still doing their summer workouts. Now it feels like there's just not much of an off season for them anymore. How much has that changed since you started even covering the, you know, this team uh, a while back?
1: I think it's pretty, pretty similar. I think what's changed some of the rules where coaches can spend more time with players in the summer. Yes. It used to be more limited, um, during the week. Uh, There's a little bit more time, but also uh, again, like we've talked about from the beginning um, what's never stopping is, is recruiting, but also the now transfers, you know, I mean, they're still looking at um, transfers all the time. You're looking at the portal and uh, you know, I don't think they'll bring in any more players this year, but he does have two scholarships. And then also, you know, how's NIL affect recruiting. Um, I think those are the two biggest changes where it's always on the coach's mind and and they were out. You know this early July period, uh, watching players, you know scouring the country for talent, um, but they also think, hey, you know, how many scholarships am I going to have for next year, and how right. many do I want to use on high school recruits? Well, they have one that they've, they've taken on a high school recruit right now.
0: Well, good stuff, Marcus. Go read Marcus's story. Start Tribune. StartTribune.com. If you have not read that yet, good depth on just kind of where things are at right now. Um, Marcus, have a good summer. I'm sure we'll check check in with you again here in not too long, but uh, until then, uh, be well, all right?
1: Appreciate it. I always love being on daily delivery.
0: always like catching up with Marcus. We didn't even talk Big Ten expansion because Chip and I covered that ground quite a bit on an earlier podcast. So um, appreciate Marcus, though. He had a good piece um, kind of talking about how competitive USC and UCLA will be in the Big Ten, particularly in men's basketball. I didn't realize USC was so good last season. I mean, everybody talks about UCLA; they were 27 and 8 last year. They made it to the Sweet 16. USC had a disappointing NCAA tournament uh, appearance. They they only they they lost in the first round, but they went 26 and 8 last season and were very you know very good. So you now they, they've they've. They've recorded a bunch of 20-win seasons in a row. Uh, made it to four NCAA tournaments in the past seven years, so they are a program on the rise. Um, So that's you know that's something to watch as as we kind of go forward here. You now both those programs have very good you know very good teams, not just in you know the in, in some of these other competitive sports. So watch out for that as the Big Ten expansion continues to dominate the headlines. Let's move on for just a minute to the very sad news of Marion Barber. We got the official um, police uh, medical examiner report on what led to his death on June 1st, when he was found dead on June 1st in his Frisco, Texas apartment. The official cause of death has been ruled heat stroke, according to the autopsy report. There was a bathtub faucet in his apartment that was running, and the unit's thermostat was set to 91 degrees. I'm reading from The Wire story. 91 degrees with the heat turned on. And the coroner wrote in his report that Mr. Barber was known to exercise in sauna-like conditions. Um, Sounds like he had been in the apartment for several days and not heard of. Um, So, you know, you never want to... It's it's one of those things where you don't want to know and I guess you probably do want to know if you're the family you want to have some sort of closure in this case and at least they have this closure of what happened even if it is tragic and sad. Let's finish with the cooler important game for the Lynx tonight coming out of the All-Star break. They play Phoenix 10 and 14, Phoenix Lynx 8 and 15, but winners of 5 of 7 going into the break. Can the Lynx who are second to last in the league right now, rally so far that they get up to that number eight seed in the league and make the postseason for another year. They've made it every year since 2011. They've got work to do, but they've got an opportunity. They've got a chance to do it because there's the teams they're chasing above them, they're two and a half games behind. Remember, this is a 36-game WNBA season this year, so you know something like eight and five might get it done they get them to 16 and 20 get to that last spot we'll see it would take a much better you know consistent stretch than we've seen aside from those last seven games but they've definitely started to play better basketball and an opportunity to play phoenix tonight and a big one at that because that is one of the teams they are chasing and trying to pass in the standings That'll do it for me today. Thanks for joining me here on Daily Delivery. We'll have an outdoors story, outdoors segment on Wednesday show with Bob Timmons. Hope you enjoy that. Be back at it again tomorrow.